0: Thank you for tuning in to the City Light West Council Bluffs Sermon Podcast. We are a church that exists to multiply disciples and churches that is located in Council Bluffs, Iowa. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org or follow us on Facebook at City Light West Council Bluffs and Instagram at City Light West CB. Good morning, City Light West CB. Uh, it's good to be here with you today. Uh, as Chuck said, my name is Jason Latta, and uh, I just I love being with you guys. I mean that in all sincerity. I feel like, you know, you meet some people sometimes, and you just feel like, hey, there's a kindred spirit there. Like, these, these are my kind of people. Like, we, we could be in a car ride, and it'd be quiet and not be awkward. Like, I feel like that with you guys. And so, if we were sticking around, like, you're the, you're the kind of people I would run to run with and serve Jesus with. And so, it's just such a joy to be here with you this Sunday. Uh, love you guys. Love your faithful witness. Um, so, today, like Chuck said, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 7. If you guys have been walking through that. If you have your Bibles and you're an overachiever, go ahead and flip there. We'll be there in a few minutes. Um, and, and so, we'll open that up. It's a story that, in some regards, some of us have heard so many times that um, we, we tend not to maybe see actually what God is saying. So, my hope is that we can open up a story that a lot of us are familiar with and still see, man, God's Word is anew every time we open it. Amen? All right. So today, I, I tend to just preach towards one point. You say, I used to preach like three points, but then I realized, you know, if you preach three points, most people don't remember like the, the first one by Sunday afternoon, and then remember the sermon by Thursday. And so I just have one point today. I want to make it incredibly simple. And that one point is this, that redemption is God's work. As we open up Genesis chapter 7, I want us to see how redemption is God's work, and I hope that if I do my job, and as we open that on Wednesday, on Thursday, and Friday, you're reminded that redemption is God's work. Just one point. That's what we're going to run to, right? And as we think about that, um, this season for me has been an interesting season, so we transitioned out of leadership in City Light Southwest Iowa probably about four or five months ago, September 31st, and... In that in-between season between then and today, I've been keeping busy by relying on trade work, uh, what I used to do, and I've been doing a lot of remodeling, and I think I've remodeled like four or five bathrooms, a couple kitchens, a basement, and I was working on a friend's house, the flip house, with another friend, and we're sitting there, and I'm showing them these pictures on my phone. I'm like, yeah, you know, I did, look at this bathroom, this is what it looked like before, and, and we're about 10 minutes in, he pulls out his phone, he's like, look at, look at my remodel, and he starts going back, and about 10 minutes later, and, and we're there for about 30 minutes looking at pictures on each other's phone, and it hits me, remodeling pictures are like baby pictures to men, right? <laughs> like, there's no way we're standing there for 30 minutes and looking at each other, you know, like if I pull out, hey, these are my kids, you know, he's not, he's not going to stand there, right? guess like, that's just not, it's not going to happen. And so as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, you know, there's something intrinsic within human nature that we long for a before and after. Like, we love before and after. Our entertainment is evidence of that, right? I think an extreme home makeover, right? I mean, you get to have this entire house that's remodeled, and then they make this big deal at the end of the week, and they say, move that bus, and this, this house looks completely different or, or uh, the biggest loser, like it's a good idea to compete in weight loss, we like to have side-by-side comparisons. We, we all have this intrinsic nature within us. And what I love about it is even an evolutionist says, we're evolving. Like we all know there's something more, right? And so we are working out or living out, whether we recognize it or not, the effects of sin and shame and expressing a desire for a righteousness that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And so my construction pictures, those before and afters, are evidence that there's sin that's present, but I know that there's something more. And even an evolutionist says there's something more. We all long for that redemption. And that redemption can only be found in Jesus Christ. And so as we open up the story of Noah, what we'll see is a before and after. But that before and after isn't your work, it's not my work, it's the work of God to redeem a mankind who's in sin. And so some of you come here today... And you're in that before phase, or maybe you're feeling in that before phase, and my hope is that you can see that there's a righteousness that closes us, and we can say, I've experienced the after. And we can share people our story. Are you tracking with me? All right, so let's open up to Genesis chapter 7, uh, verse 1. How are we doing so far today? I know you lost an hour of sleep. I was impressed. I didn't see anyone show up late. Maybe a couple of you did. I'm going to call you out if you did. But man, those are always the roughest nights. Like you got good attendance. Usually, you know, it's like get that hour of sleep. I'm a parent of five. So I'm just used to not sleeping right now. It's that season of life. Let's read Genesis chapter one, or excuse me, uh, chapter seven, verse one. And let's unpack this as a group here today. Then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household. I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Now there's a couple of lenses that you always want to wear whenever you read God's word. And the one, the first and the primary lens is this. Scripture is this large story that's pointing us to who Jesus Christ is. If a sermon or the text doesn't get us to Jesus, it wasn't a good sermon, or we don't understand the text. Are you tracking with me? And so if you hear a sermon and the name of Jesus isn't proclaimed, I don't think you benefited. That's my opinion. Right? Amen? Because redemption is God's work. And so we want to know, how does this text point us to Jesus? But there's another lens that we can put on this account. What the author is saying is that God has paralleled the creation account with the flood story. Because he's trying to show us that God has a concern for his creation those who bear his image, specifically you and me. And so the author takes extreme caution, or I should say he's intentional about saying, this was the experience of Adam, and this is the experience of Noah. And so Adam represents his household, just like Noah represents his household, but even better than that, Noah represents his household in a new beginning, like Jesus represents his household in a new beginning. And so God looked on creation initially and said it was good. And before the flood, he looks at creation and he says, it's evil. There's that before, that sin. And God in his concern doesn't say, I'm going to wipe it all out. I'm going to judge in a way that my wrath is exposed. Instead, he says, I'm going to offer a message of grace, a period and a time of grace. Noah, here's a message of salvation, Build an ark. There's a period of grace where you get to build this ark. There's a period where your faith gets to be lived out. Your trust in my word. You will be the head of your household who will bring about salvation, not just for your family, but for all of humankind after that. And so we see where God is recognizing the root of evil is sin. But he's not condemning initially. We track him with that. Because sometimes what I hear is we want to hammer the judgment part of it. Indeed, God is a judge. And he's, he can't be in the presence of sin. But there's a beautiful part where God says, I'm going to care for those whom I love and for those who receive the message of salvation. Now, there's also another point in here where he says, Noah, you're righteous. Now, that, when I read that initially, if you're like me, I'm like, man, that's not, that's not me. Like, I look in the mirror and I feel that before picture, right? Like, I I don't feel clothed in the righteousness. Like, I I understand Adam and Eve in the garden when they felt shame. That makes sense to me. Like, I, I don't understand how you can be naked and not feel shame. I haven't experienced the fullness of the righteousness of Jesus Christ yet. And so when I read that he's a righteous man, my first thought is how? How can you be righteous? Because that's not me. But we read in Hebrews chapter um, chapter 11 how. I want to read this because I want to make sure that we understand how Noah is righteous. Because this isn't a moralistic story where it says you need to go do better. Instead, it's a story where it says you need to trust in your Savior. Look at Hebrews 11 verse 7. It says, by faith. You see that? By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. is that beautiful? That washes over you and you're like, okay. Not because he's a good builder, because I can't build an ark, right? I can do stuff, but I'm not building an ark. I, 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 I don't even know if I could invest in the way that he built the ark. 40 years, 50 years, 75 years, at some point, my humanity is saying, man, I don't know. I'm pretty sure at some point in that 50 years, my wife Stephanie is like, I think you heard wrong, right? It's time to remodel the kitchen and stop investing in the ark. By faith, that feels obtainable. If it's just simply trusting. Now, the struggle is trusting in the message of salvation, By faith, that period of grace—if we're honest—can can can be a tension. I marvel that Noah could over, even if you went short and said twenty years, whether it's twenty years or seventy-five years, that he could invest that long. I'm blown away by that. I want that. I want that communion with God because I understand that when you're that close to God, there's a righteousness that you feel. Sometimes we make people in the Bible into heroes and not really understand that they're actually human. Like, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but at the very end of all of this, Noah, he, he grows a vineyard. And I can imagine after laboring for 50 years, 75 years, he tastes that first class of wine. And he's like, oh, man, this tastes good. Now, I'm not condoning it. But I understand, after that season, how a man can come to a point where he says, I'm going to have a second one and then a third one. And as we know the story, he gets drunk and he passes out. But that, that's the Noah I can relate to. Where I see his humanity and I say, okay, he's actually a person who, we, don't, we get the cliff notes, right? We don't see the, the full detail, the nitty-gritty of the everyday, but we know if we see his humanity get fleshed out, that if he can do it, we can do it. Like, Noah's not an anomaly, right? He's human, just like you and me. He might have accomplished something miraculous, but if we look at each of our life and we said, what did you accomplish? Some of you raised kids to know Jesus. Gosh, that's incredible. I haven't done that yet. My kids... Some have been baptized, but they're not adults. I, I can't say that they're living on faith. That is an accomplishment. That's a generational accomplishment. There's a beautiful part about that that we should celebrate. And so when we say that it's by faith, don't lose sight about a dependency upon God in that. And so he says, I have seen you in verse one. I've seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. And so he offers them a message of salvation. Okay? The redemption is God's message. It's his salvation. This is Noah's before experience. And so he continues in verse 2. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, and the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, and a male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of the earth. And again, we have that parallel with creation. So just as all of the animals came before Adam, all the animals come before Noah. And so we see where God isn't throwing out all of creation and starting anew. Instead, he's redeeming it so that we can have a picture of our salvation, so that we can say, how can you and I trust in this message of salvation? And so God gave us this microcosm, if you will, of what salvation will look like, so that we can say, he did it here, I can trust him here. Are you tracking with me? So God didn't just say, it's evil, I'm throwing it all away. He said, it's, it's, there's evil, but I'm restoring, I'm redeeming, I'm saving, I'm investing, I'm working. This is my creation. These are my image bearers. You bear the image of God. And because you bear the image of God, you are worthy, not because of what you've done, but because of the image, you're worthy of salvation. And that is a remarkable, remarkable thing. Don't let that lose sight of you. So we continue here. How are we doing so far? Good. I don't see anyone sleeping yet. So that's good. Even with an hour of God, you know, like you guys are doing great. Verse 4. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and every, every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the earth. Now, this is the part where I was talking with Chuck a little bit before. You guys have been hammering home just Judgment. This is the part where, if we're honest, like we don't like. I don't like it. I, I don't like the idea of judgment specifically being applied to me. If you break the law, and like, especially if you go speeding past me and I say, "Cop, pulling you over, like I celebrate that. Like, <laughs> like, you deserve that. You know what I mean? But if I get pulled over, that's a little bit different. Like, I, come on, officer, let me off the hook here. And, and so a lot of times we like the idea of judgment when it's not applied to us, but we don't like it when it's applied to us. Does that make sense? And so God judges the earth. Sin is judged. But there's this message of grace and salvation, this period of responding. And so God wipes away all the sin in the earth. As I was reading this, I was reminded of a movie called Shawshank's Redemption. Anybody watch it in here? A few of you? Yeah, it's an R-rated movie. What do you, you guys aren't supposed to watch? R-rated movies? <laughs> Chuck, what are you doing? I'm just kidding. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. It is R-rated, so I'm not saying go home and watch it. It's actually been a few years, uh, so I don't even... I don't, but there's a premise in this movie, right? Chuck's going to be getting phone calls. Chuck, he, he shouldn't have mentioned this movie, right? My, we sat down with my kids when we watched it. That's not what I'm saying, all right? All right? It's, I think it's R-rated for a reason. Uh, we actually watched a PG-13 movie last night. And Stephanie was like, I can't believe this is PG-13, and so I can't even imagine what it would be like watching R-rated with your kids. So don't do that, all right? Do you hear me? <laughs> I'm being clear. Okay, so there's this premise in this where this guy gets unjustly convicted of murder. He gets convicted of murdering his wife, and so he ends up being in jail for like 20 years, and while he's in jail, he ends up um, laundering money for the warden. And eventually, the movie concludes with him living out his days on a beach with his best friend. Like, that's the conclusion of the movie, right? And, and if you haven't seen it by now, I just ruined the ending, and I don't care, because it's like 20, 30 years old. You should have seen it by now, okay? <laughs> and so you guys, like, you're a spoiler. Like, if you haven't seen it by now, you should. should have. Um, but what I love about the author is he understood intrinsically that we are wired with a longing for justice that we could see through the mud and the muck of his conviction. Like, the author's resolution was to have a a convicted murderer escape from prison. And and that's the feel-good ending, if you think about it, right? Where else would you celebrate that a murderer who escaped from prison gets to live on a paradise, right? You know what I mean? like that. But we saw the injustice. We recognize that he didn't murder his wife, that what happened to him in jail shouldn't have happened, And so our resolution is to allow justice to to say, you know what? He he deserves that, right? Something bad happened to him in that sense. And so God has left each of us here by his grace with the ability to feel. He's written his law on your heart. That's why evolution says we're built for more. Like We all feel that shame. We all want to see sin judged. We just don't want to see it judged against us. Like, we, we actually breathe it into our entertainment in that way. And I, that's one of the reasons I love it, is because the ending gets wrapped up really neat. I get to see justice dealt with, and I actually get to see it in a firm, heavy hand, because at the end, the warren actually takes his own life. Like, it's so bad for him. The hammer comes down so steep, the hand of justice is so clear that he actually literally takes his own life. Now, I'm not advocating for that by any means. What I'm saying is the author understood the extreme nature that we want to see justice fulfilled. Are you tracking with me? So God judges sin. His desire isn't to judge you. It's actually grace is an incredible thing. We actually, in some ways, because we can accept the message of the gospel, we judge ourselves. We acknowledge I'm sinful. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Nowhere else in any other context do we get to admit that and then be let off the hook, if you will. Or say that our sins will be paid for by Jesus Christ. In no other context do we get to send somebody else to prison in our stead except the message of salvation or redemption that's offered to us by a graceful God. So he continues here. That's not the end. In verse five, and Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Isn't that beautiful? City Light, this is the point of this story. The point of this story isn't that you need to go work harder, you need to do more. The point of the story isn't that there's archaeological evidence for the flood. I was asking somebody, what do you think the purpose of the flood is? And they said, their response was, I love them, that, that God left evidence in the world. That The Grand Canyon was formed by the flood. Oh, man, I, I hear you. Or, or that the fossil record proves there was a flood. It may or it may not, I don't know. But the point of the story of Noah is that God declared a message of salvation, and a person heeded that message and received deliverance because of it. He heard it. Do you understand how hard that is? Especially in an age of disinformation, we don't know what to believe. I mean, it's, there's so much that's put before us, and so to hear that there is a, a, a multiple forms of information coming our way, multiple truth, we say, "What do you believe, and how do you believe it?" And that's where God says, "I'm just going to have one story with multiple pillars of supporting that story so that by the time I get to Jesus, you trust that He alone saves." That he alone is the message of salvation. Because we've seen his promise in Genesis. We saw him deliver Noah in a way that he's delivering us. So that when we get to him, we say, you know what? I'm going to live in the age of grace. And trust in my salvation and my deliverance later. Because God has called each of us here to do that same thing in a similar fashion as Noah. But essentially what we say here is to live out. To live on mission. And so the gospel message, the message that was commanded to, Moa, to, to Noah, Moa, I was thinking Moses and Noah putting those together, right? See what happens when you lose an hour of sleep? You start combining it. There, 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 there is a, when we receive God's message of deliverance, when we receive his redemption, it, it moves us in a way. But think about, you just, if we just humanize Noah for a second, how do you think he looked next to his friends? He's not investing in his cattle, you know He's not, not investing in his retirement. But like he, he's all in in the message of salvation, 100 percent in. Like he, he doesn't have an escape plan just in case. Like he, his work is towards it. There's no addition for his family and his kids. You, you see, like he is 100 percent invested in building this ark, because God commanded it. And I think of it in our context, in our specific everyday thing. Like, what has God called you to? Like, what, what's the application, if we can? If we read in, um, in 1 Peter, if we say, what's the application of, of Noah's story? I want to read here. I think 1 Peter helps us. It says this in verse 18. Chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins. You see that? The application. That, that's his message. So Noah's message of deliverance was, I'm going to send a flood and you're going to save your family. But that message was meant to convey this greater message. That Jesus Christ died for our sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. Do you see that? So Jesus' before and after was, he was clothed in glory. He was in heaven. He didn't sit from heaven and condemn us. Instead, he stepped down and he put on flesh, the humility of flesh. No king has ever demoted himself as Jesus has. There's nobody that's more humble than our Savior. He was clothed in glory and righteousness, took on flesh so that we could have his righteousness. Look what he says, that he might bring us to God. Now, how do we know that's true? Because if I just came to you with no evidence, right? But we see for thousands of years, God has been at work and working in people To declare his message of salvation. This is Jesus being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Isn't that beautiful? And so we say, what's our first application? His first is this. Have you believed in the message of salvation as declared by God? If you continue reading in Genesis chapter 7, you see in verse 17 that it's God who closes the ark. The message is God's, the plans for the ark are his, the the method is his, the work of judgment is his, and he actually physically secures his people. And we begin to say, no, Jesus is actually the good and better ark. Jesus is the means of salvation. I've seen him work in other people's life. I've seen other people who have acknowledged sin in their life... Come to Jesus and begin to be clothed in a righteousness. That's what we, we call sanctification. It's being conformed to a likeness of who Jesus is. And so we begin to see very practically where people can say, this is who I used to be. I used to be addicted to pornography. I'm not anymore. I used to be addicted to alcohol. I'm not anymore. I used to find my identity and work. I'm not anymore. Instead, I love being with these people who don't look anything like me, talk like me. It doesn't make any sense other than there's a kindred spirit that I love being around with them. And so there's a message of salvation. And so that's the first application. If you've not responded to that, man, I want to plead with you, encourage you. There is an end to every season of grace. You don't have to be judged. Your sin can be forgiven. There is a God who's trustworthy of your faith and your trust in Him. So that's our first application as we continue to read here. In which He went and proclaimed to the spirits in heaven. This is Jesus. Because they formally did not obey when God's patience waited, you see, God is a patient God. Long-bearing, He's, he, he, he waits for us. I love this. It doesn't make sense. I wish as a parent I was like that. I'm not. My kids misbehave. It's like, knock it off, you know? Go Or I send them to their mom because she's patient and really sweet and tender, you know? And so It's like, she's such a better parent than me. It's insane. Um, I need sanctification. I'm admitting full, like, I, the sin has... It's. I need Jesus. That's why I'm I'm here. In verse nine, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits because they formally now obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, we see that while the ark was being prepared, God waited patiently. That that's incredible. I don't know if you've ever been hurt by someone or been hurt by you know like it's hard to be patient. It's hard. It's hard to wait on a resolution. That is, eight persons were brought safely through the water. We see this imagery of being washed anew. You know, oftentimes in the Bible, fire is declared, a, the imagery is that of wrath, whereas baptism or water is this imagery of being cleansed. So God cleansed the world of sin. And we see in 21, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we know that we're saved, not because of works being formed, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. We know that sin has been defeated because Jesus rose from the grave. We know that the message of salvation and deliverance that he gives us is trustworthy because all through creation, we see testimony time and time Again, and I imagine some of you in here could testify to God's grace in your life. And I want to encourage you to do that. And so if we've responded to that message, we said yes. The next one is, have you publicly declared that through baptism? Have you expressed to people that there's a before and after? If not, I want to encourage you. Chuck would love to talk with you. I want to encourage you to be baptized. But let's keep going here because it it gets, it doesn't want to get better, but it gets, I'm just excited, right? When I get excited, I start stumbling over my words. So I'm sorry. An appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is now at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. We have a king who we can fully invest our life in. We have a king who we can fully trust in. We have a king who fully has delivered us. And it's not our works, it's his. Redemption is Jesus' work. It's just simply a message. Do you trust? And so, City Light, I want to ask that. Are you trusting in that? I mean, in totality. A lot of times, some of us take on debt that we shouldn't because we're not really trusting that God delivers us. Sometimes we don't spend time with people because we, we're fearful of spending time with them. Like when they hurt you, what's going to happen? Are you going to be able to forgive them? And so, God has called us out on mission in a very practical way. I want to call you guys to serve Jesus. We were talking before, Chuck said, Where's the Spirit really pressing? I said, Honestly. And if, if we don't hear the message of what Noah did, and it doesn't drive us to do what Noah did, then I think we miss the story. He was all in, not just on the salvation of himself, but his family. God is calling you guys into a family. Probably one of the best and most simplest ways for you to experience that is to get plugged into a city group. I can express to you time and time again how I see people get wrapped into a group of 10 or 12, of people who come to love them and encourage them, and they get to say, you know what? Jesus' grace is present in my life. Like These people actually know me. They care about me. When I don't come to church, they notice. It's harder to have that in a group of 100, 200, and if you get bigger, it's even harder. And so I just want to encourage you to get plugged into a city group. The message of salvation is for you. The the message of deliverance is for you. The family that Jesus has is for you, but that doesn't mean anything if we don't respond to it. These aren't just abstract theological concepts. Like we all long for a before and after. And church, if Jesus isn't part of your after, you're not going to have that. You're just going to have the before. Our stories are eternal if we're with Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Our relationships are eternal if we're with Jesus. And so our society plays out what you and I have. That is that we have an after. We don't have shame that closes anymore. We have righteousness in Jesus Christ, not because of our works, but because of our faith and trust in him. And like Noah was delivered, so too will you be delivered. You live in that day of grace. I acknowledge that that day of grace can be hard at times. Like, let's humanize Noah 50 years, building the ark, 75 years. 50 years waiting for Jesus, 75 years to run on a mission for him. It gets hard at times, but that's God's grace that he's given us a family to run with, not by ourselves. Amen. And so, Noah's message is an example for us to run parallel to a lot, not an identical message. Because some of you, like, you're not boat builders, right? Amen? But some of you, man, you're good at hospitality. Some of you're good at serving. Some of you are great at praying. And, and that's God's grace in your life. And so, if I could say anything to you, man, it's serve Jesus on mission. Respond to the message, right? We don't get to the works first. Respond to the message, profess the message and then serve Jesus on mission. Are you tracking with me? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Thank you again for listening. This podcast is not intended to serve as a substitute for gathering with a local body of believers, but as a resource that encourages and empowers you to follow Jesus as your heart is pointed towards the gospel. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org.